we acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land. We also pay our respects to elders past and present. This land is and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello beautiful humans, welcome to another episode of Feeling Nostalgic, a podcast where we look at the pop culture moments that shaped us. I am your host Demi Lynch and uh, firstly I want to say a big thank you to everyone that sent in messages about last week's episode with Alright Hey. Many of you said the show was a great distraction from the world, the news and just life in general. So I'm really glad I was able to help you all with that. I really, really am. And I really hope that I can make this show a form of escapism for people that love talking all things celebrity gossip, movies, music, TV shows, books. So if you're someone that loves absorbing pop culture, analyzing pop culture, and living for pop culture, then yeah, this, my dears, this is the place for you. Today on the show... My dears, we have award-winning journalist, author, and queen of TikTok, Matilda Bosley. You may recognize Matilda from Instagram and TikTok as a reporter for The Guardian, or you may even know her for her incredible advocacy work for ADHD awareness and her latest book, The Year I Met My Brain. During our chat with Matilda, we talk all things pelican propaganda, dragons, ADHD, the rise of mental health awareness on TikTok, and more. So sit back, relax, grab a bev, grab a snack, and let's get nostalgic. Matilda Bosley, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. Thank you for having me. You are an award-winning journalist. You are the queen of TikTok. And you have a brand spanking new book coming out. <sighs> Honey, where do you get the time for all this, honestly? Um, thank you so much. Uh, and the answer is I cry regularly. Uh, <laughs> so I sort of just do it and then um, break down. So that's currently my technique and my routine. I like highly recommend it. Um, it's been a very exciting couple of months and stuff. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling very, I don't know what you meant to say. I'm, I'm very grateful basically is my thing. And also <laughs> very tired. Yeah. I can feel like that's becoming your personality probably right now with everything going on, especially writing a book, a book you can imagine is the most tiring thing in the world. Yeah, every but before I did it, every single person I did it was like, it's horrible, it was so hard, and I was like, that seems fake, and I think it will be easy for me, um, yeah. and it wasn't at all, even a tiny bit, uh, so I think a lot of the people in my life are more just excited that the book will come out so that I will just shut up about it more than the actual <laughs> publication. 
this is a more exciting time for them. They're just like, finally, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think by the time this goes out, it will be. So uh, the year I met my brain, sorry, I just sometimes I have my publisher's voice in my head being like, say the oh, name yes, of the of book. Course. Yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. year I met my brain is the book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll have the link to the book in the show notes. Make sure oh you get God. it, everyone. Please do. Mm-hmm. But I also have to congratulate you on something else, my dear. I don't know. I don't know which to congratulate you on first. It's either the the Senate inquiry into ADHD support services you gave a speech on this week, or I don't know whether whether to congratulate you first on the fact that you are reporter of the week thanks to the cheap seats. I mean, <laughs> what a busy gal you are, my dear. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's more impressive. I don't know. The key information you're leaving out is that uh, it's a joke segment, and I was that because I dressed up as a pelican to interview people. <laughs> I feel like maybe that like helps contextualize things a little bit. Um, but no, I that I had made a handmade pelican costume, and then we went down to San Remo to feed some pelicans because uh, the Guardian. By the time this is out, it will probably be over. We were doing the Bird of the Year competition, so I don't know. Re- go back in time and vote for the pelican, guys. <laughs> Not that I would across. ever have a bias point of view. I am. I work for the Guardian. I cannot. Right, just root for any old bird, but the pelican's the best. <laughs> Wait, since you love the pelican, of oh, actually, no, no, you don't love the pelican at all. You're unbiased. No, no. Which which bird though would you be less upset for them not to win? Which... Oh, mm. so it would have to be the hooded plover. Which actually, oh. I just gave that answer. I'm not even a hundred. I literally haven't even looked at the list beyond the pelican. <laughs> Um, if the hooded platter was on the list, because I, when we'd like go on sort of um, summer holidays and stuff, when I was a kid, there used to be a bunch of them right around, but we never knew their name. Uh, so I called mm-hmm. them monkey doodle birds. Uh, I don't know why. And then, so now it's just so, but like, I, it got to the point where like, I never realized that wasn't their real name. So then like straight yeah. up in adulthood, I'm like, oh my God, the monkey doodle birds have just like nested in the middle of the football field. And everyone's like, I beg your fucking pardon. I beg your pardon. Anyway, so we love a monkey doodle bird. We're team monkey doodle bird if uh, the pelicans go extinct. <laughs> I'm just imagining right now you're having a conversation with your friends and loved ones and being like, oh, the other day I got swooped by a monkey doodle bird. Oh, the bastard. They're just like, you got swooped by a doodle? A doodle bird? A monkey bird? Yeah. What? <laughs> and there's no, there's not even like a thread of like logic of like, oh, well, it used to be this and then that was a nickname. I don't, I have no clue where it came from. But uh, we do love a monkey doodle bird. We love a monkey doodle bird, but not love them enough for them to beat the good pelican. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, when they start flying 3,000 metres up in the air, then they can talk to me, so... And they can, like, carry so much. Like, they're just a, a flying, like, um, kangaroo pouch. Like, you and know, they'll occasionally game. eat a seagull, which Do is a service. eat seagulls? I wouldn't, <gasps> I wouldn't Google pelican pigeon if I were you. Pelican pigeon? Like, yeah, they They eat pigeons. <gasps> there's, there's some brutal... There's, there's some terrible anti-pelican propaganda that uh, is maybe in the form of... <laughs> actual video footage of them brutally eating other birds alive um they're like the killer whales of the sky oh my god we need must alert the people my goodness all right okay i'm sure we could talk about the pelican 
and the controversy the controversy surrounding it but i think we should get back to what we are here for the podcast and that is to talk about the pop culture moments that define us that we grew up with that has influenced our life to our careers to our relationships to our political point of views so i want to get into dragon's world the movie that you thought was real but actually is a fake <gasps> oh documentary oh my god <laughs> for a moment i was like what no oh my god first of all brilliant oh okay so i had thank no you, so <laughs> yes there was this film i didn't even know the name because it's like always was just like the dragon documentary in my mind so mm-hmm. there was this film yeah. kind of like do you remember that like old sort of like dinotopia or like you know the that i think that's a fictional one but like the dinosaur like documentaries like you know, and they'd like have the models and the CGI, which because it was 2002, we like thought was super realistic and all this. Th- then mm. they came out with one, Dragon's World, and it's all about like this group of investigators going to like the Czech Republic or something like that. And they find like this skeleton and this preserved body of a dragon. And then they bring up some really cogent points about how like, oh, all these different cultures like have dragon mythology in them. Uh, but they aren't connected like how do we all know about dragons and i mm, it did blur the line for me i think i was probably nine or ten when i watched it convinced convinced it was real (laughs) to the point where i kind of like grew up didn't examine it that much and i was like oh it was probably just a different skeleton they found like it probably never once occurred to me that the whole thing was a fictional film and the amount of times i have parroted like growing up and i'm like well dragons i don't know they're in all these different mythologies and there's like no contract and it's like yeah it's a big lizard and fire it's the two things humans are afraid of but still a little part of me oh my gosh yeah i was obsessed with it and then i remember <laughs> so clearly sitting there eating it and then eating this packet of chicken flavored twisties but it was the halloween ones and so the twisties were all like shaped like different bones from skeletons and then so like i just had this visceral memory of like yeah sitting there being like i knew i, I fucking knew it i read dragonology because you know like i was a queer little kid i was reading dragonology obsessed with it watch this film i was like fuck you mum and dad proof um and they didn't tell me <laughs> otherwise <laughs> but i like, love I- that oh my god two things firstly i love that <laughs> your first conspiracy theory that you debunked was about dragons whereas a kids your age the first conspiracy theory they were debunking was like santa claus or the yowie or the easter bunny and you're just like no dragons they're not real they lie to us (laughs) oh my god no no i cannot tell you this enough i realized that that documentary was fake when i was 21 i you're misunderstanding no no no. i watched it when i was 10 easily 11 years passed before i realized it was fake like again i just kind of assumed oh they probably got some facts wrong like in my teen years i was like maybe there was i'm you know i'm not thinking about it too much they probably it was just a different skeleton maybe thought about it once or twice saw it in 2020 when i sorry when i was 21 and then they're like oh a fake documentary i'm like i beg your fucking pardon what do you mean mockumentary Uh, so no it wasn't the conspiracy theory i was debunking i bought it full (laughs) kill and also i mean to be clear i also did 
uh, I believed in Father Christmas until I was nearly 13. So we're really, we, there's a bit of a theme going on now. Oh, honey. Oh, you poor, yeah. oh, you poor, your poor childhood. Oh my God. Just lies. Just all the lies. You have yeah. To find out totally, later totally unrelated. <laughs> Don't believe in God anymore. Has nothing to do with that trauma of finding that out at a, in grade six. <laughs> Father yeah. Christmas wasn't real. When I directly asked my mom and she's like, no, we put them in. And then I scream, like collapsed to the ground, screaming, crying, being like, you lied to me in the street. Uh, it was a whole traumatic thing. It was a whole situation. <laughs> oh my God. And then when you're recovering from that trauma, you're just like, you know what? Well, Santa may not be real, but at least dinosaurs, not dinosaurs, at least not dinosaurs. No, no, at least dragons I, were real. <laughs> I hate to break it to you. Dinosaurs were real. Um, or were they? Or was all the documentaries we watched? This is how people get into creationism. They Dragon's world tricks them and then they go down that path. I'm telling you. Because dragons and dinosaurs aren't that different now if you think about it really. Like there were some weird dinosaurs back in the day. Like Yeah. I don't know. Like, the the my urge to not say right now, like, <laughs> did you know there's actually like a different dino- dragon myths in all these different cultures and they never overlap? I mean, I get it psychologically <laughs> why it would go to dragons. I just think it's a little fucking suspicious. Because Dragon's World taught yeah. me that it was <laughs> when I was still the neuroplasticity was still like real soft. Oh, I love it. I have to ask though. So now, because recently you were diagnosed with ADHD, do you ever look back then on your childhood years and those fixations that you have? Because I, I think it, it it'd be no, it'd be wrong for me to say that wasn't a fixation because that definitely sounds like a fixation. Do you ever think you just like? Yeah, duh. I had ADHD. Yeah, I was fixated on dragons for so long. No, it was almost actually the opposite that when I look back, which is I used to be really mm-hmm. jealous because I would get like so into things for a three week period and then completely forget about them entirely and like ha- and have no interest. And I used to be really jealous of the kids that could like sustain an obsession. Like I remember even like getting into like grade year seven, year eight, being like, oh, all the girls that can just like care about Justin Bieber for years on end and I'm like I can't like I'll find a musical I'll be obsessed with it three weeks later I've moved on with my life so like I there's like dragons and now the Song of Ice and Fire series are the two only like which is the Game of Thrones (laughs) book series are the two only like long-standing obsessions I've ever had the rest have been like in and out like quick where okay this month it's all about Les Mis next month it's all about you know whatever the whatever it happens to be all about hating the way my body looks sometimes um you know like we, we get different obsessions there's different genres but yeah i used to be like jealous of the people that could just maintain the obsession and like looking back i'm like that's the most fucking adhd thing i've ever heard um <laughs> that sort of meme of like oh well that was a symptom you know looking back at your life it's almost everything yeah yeah yeah, yeah. when you were growing up what was like your understanding of ADHD back when you were in school like was there anything really about ADHD or even just mental health in general like in pop culture or just in the classroom with your peers yeah it's weird it's one of those things where it's like you don't even think about it or like audit what your own thinking was before you suddenly are thinking about it constantly and all the time um so it's I I I actually do struggle to think about what I knew about ADHD before kind of my awakening journey. 
Um, like whether I even knew that there was like an inattentive version. I remember always thinking that it didn't sound totally like out of the realm of possibility. And I think I remember once in university, at least looking up the symptoms and basically just finding sort of the description about like little boys and like can't sit still in their seat and Mm. can't do, you know, engaging pleasure activities quietly. And it was like, Oh, well I can sit down and, you know, read a book or whatever, you know, not that I often am able to read books even, but like when I do, I can sit down Mm. for like 12 hours at a time and do it just without like losing the concept of time and space. So like that can't be me. And like, I don't have trouble sitting down. I'm fucking tired all the time. Um, and not connecting with it and also bringing it vaguely up to people. And cause I was, which I've had to get used to like in the process, my book is about ADHD, by the way, get used to in the process, like being comfortable and saying this, but it is just part of my story. Like, because I was a smart kid, um, oh, I shiver to even like, you know, like having to admit your own strengths to anyone, um, hurts me deeply. But like, because I was a smart kid, it was, to- it was really quickly dismissed. You know what I mean? Cause I think, a lot of the time, you know, I'd tune out of class and then come back in five minutes later, but I was just sort of lucky enough that I could kind of reverse engineer, you know, the couple of minutes that I'd miss and things like that. And so I wasn't falling behind in grades. And then so even once I sort of got into very early adulthood, when I'd think about ADHD or try and bring it up to anyone, it was kind of like, no, clearly not. Because I, you know, had been doing well. What I now realise is that... I could have been doing well in a far less exhausting way, um, I think, mm-hmm. is basically the thing. So, yeah, it's been interesting while writing the book, going through that process and thinking. But, like, even things like when I was a kid, I actually don't know what the question was at this point. Which I think <laughs> it's, like, a diagnostic um, counterpoint. Well, what, did, what, how did, what, what, what did you ask? <laughs> this is what happens when we have two neurospicy people on mics. This is what happens. <laughs> Absolutely fucking disaster. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So you talked about like in the classroom. Yeah, like it was seen. Like you know, if you are, uh, it was stereotypically the the young boy who was always interrupting class. He always had to you know be kicked out of class and have his desk at like the window outside. I don't know about you, but they always did that to the naughty kids. Oh yeah. Here. Oh yeah. It was the most shameful thing. Yeah. But I am curious though, like about in pop culture because you're someone that loves pop culture you love movies tv shows you love it love it love it and i'm curious if like in the later years as you're an adult you find out you have adhd like did you think did you realize that the characters you connected with growing up whether it be as a child or a teenager you realize like oh they're very they're very much have adhd like I saw, I think it was either in your book, um, in the expert, in an excerpt that I read, that you said that Lorelai Gilmore is the epitome of someone with ADHD. Oh yeah, I I do sort of joke at the start of my book about how like my diagnose my diagnoses don't hold up in a court of law, uh, in my sort of regular <laughs> disclaimer of like I'm a journalist <laughs> with ADHD, not an expert. Um, but yeah, like I was like, yeah, of course, Lorelai has ADHD and Rory has autism. I think that's very clear. Um, But yeah, no, definitely. I think the characters I did connect with and the more and more, like as I revisit things during this uh, humble time of the SAG after I strike, which is probably will be over by the time which comes out, which is lovely. Um, But I've been like revisiting things because I'm like, this is my time to go back and watch old things. Yeah. yeah, A lot of the characters that are, and a lot of the times even like evil characters that, everyone else hated and I'm like oh I think maybe we're not giving them enough of a fair shake (laughs) it's like oh 
Oh dear, I sort of see that going through. Yeah. Um, and then just like all the characters I was like deeply in love with as a teenager, like Nick Miller from New Girl. I'm like, oh. Like I, what as a teenager watched New Girl and I was like, I am Zoe Desh now and thus have a crush on Nick Miller. And now I watch it, I'm like, I am Nick. And this may have been a kind of me trying to find a bit of a sort of outlet to uh, loving the person I am, my deep guttural attraction to this man. Yeah. <laughs> no, if you'll excuse me. I've been up for 48 hours, so I'm going to just sleep off an ass ton of quinoa. No, there's no time for sleep. Guys, here's what we got to do. We got to find the passion that we have in life. We got to hold on to it. You're so right. Just like, I can't believe I'm saying this. Just like Nick Miller. Hey, look at that. I've never been an inspiration before. I don't like it. It's too much responsibility. So I want to delve into now adulthood. And you mm-hmm. talk about this in the book. You talk about this all over social media. My dear, you and TikTok, you two go together. Like, what what goes well together? Peanut butter and jelly. Um, orgasms and vibrators. Um, I don't know what else. That's like somehow that's all I, I can know. think of. <laughs> Sims, Sims Four and mentally unwell women. Um, <laughs> you know the um yeah. Yes. I spend. It's like it's honestly at this point. It's like I spend most of my free time on TikTok. I spend my time when I'm like too tired on TikTok. I spend my time when I'm like trying to get honestly up to date on the news and find stories mm-hmm. on TikTok and then I spend my entire work day on it as well. Um I live in a prison of my own mind. I'm not sure <laughs> if that was clear. <laughs> yes, oh. no. TikTok is so <gasps> This is what I was going to say when you were asking before about like ADHD and like the way mental health was viewed when I was growing up it's yeah. interesting because like I think TikTok why I was so drawn to it originally so I was like I was clocking in like ungodly hours even before the pandemic yeah. uh, although just sort of ghosting and observing but why I was so drawn to it originally I think was in large part because of how much it reminded me of like my uncensored access to the internet Tumblr days where I was 14 and this is where I learned all about mental health which can I tell you terrible way terrible place <laughs> to learn about mental health oh my good lord i literally um, was gonna ask that do you think you would have gone on the same adhd journey if it was through tumblr instead of tiktok <laughs> i don't know i wonder i mean i'm sure if they were talking about it and there was the content i think part of the tiktok thing was just like the sheer sort of algorithmic the way it presented it i also think it was like for me so so for for people who don't know i found out i had adhd basically by you know watching a few like oh adult symptoms of adhd symptoms of adhd and adult women clearly like watched it way too intensely and like eight times and then like the sort of bit uh you know bit bite dance sort of overlords suddenly in the computer was like ping we found a fucking money maker in this one send her every single video about adhd possible and then eventually it was like oh no this is deeply spooky i've got to talk to my gp about it and then eventually got the psychologist to the psychiatrist got all the diagnosis i have to give that disclaimer i didn't self-diagnose on tiktok i did but then i went and got a proper diagnosis um that's how (laughs) self-diagnosis works it's not actually as big of a problem as everyone wants to think um that's i'm just gonna leave that that. with Mm. yeah no no let's just leave that without the proper nuance that comes after that discussion um (laughs) whatever um 
uh, it does more good than harm in the world eventually. No, stop. I need to stop doing this without nuance. Um, read my book if you want the nuance. Uh, so Tumblr was like entirely like I was obsessed. Like I, there I learned about all my like the way I think about the world. Like my whole view on social media was all crafted by like other teenagers who didn't fucking know what they were doing or have any clue or perspective on Tumblr. That's how I learned about everything from like 14 to 18. And then so TikTok happened and it reminded me so much of that. And then I was kind of like, God, because I'd been reflecting and being like, oh, I feel like I probably did like some harm that took years to like undo in terms of my worldview. I'm like, it honestly would have been so good if on Tumblr there was someone... I don't know, who would just, like, face consequences for uh, factual inaccuracies. You know what I mean? Like, if we, like, like, get down to it, like, that's... In in an age where information is everywhere, that is the value of a established news source, right? You have people writing who will face career consequences if they say something that's untrue. They they have to fact-check. There's accountability built in by the fact that you're being paid there. Yeah. And I was there working in a news like working at a news place, doing reporting constantly. And I was like, I genuinely, cause, because if, it was still at the point where everyone was like, oh, dancing apps, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. or it's the dance app, it's the lip syncing. And I was seeing like this full, you know, I'd learned more about Inuit culture than I had in my whole life, like from videos on TikTok. And it just it was, you know, and I learned all about these like different politics and, you know, the, you know, so- social conditions in Zimbabwe. And like, I, I, there was all these big political discussions happening. And I kind of went, look, in my sphere, in terms of like Australian news and politics, I actually can be a person that has consequences on that app, really, you know. Um, and then, so, yeah, that's how I pitched it to The Guardian and have been making news videos ever since in that way. Um, I do kind of like the idea that perhaps at some point, if, the, if someone has been watching it has seen some of The Guardian news videos but didn't realise it was me to this point, they're sort of being like, oh, the girl I get news from believed in dragons until she was 21 uh, i didn't fully believe it was a slightly situation. yeah so i started um making videos for the guardian and then yeah here we are however 18 months two years later <laughs> still doing it it was popular now we've written a book about accidentally finding out we had adhd on the same app i spend all of my personal and work time on the journey of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm very curious. Did you do like a PowerPoint presentation for The Guardian? Because the 18 so months ago, TikTok, as you said, was just known as the dancing app. It was just like considered, oh, it's just like the new Tumblr or Pinterest or something like that. Did you do like one of those, like, you know, you obviously see it all the time on TikTok. People be like, okay, here's a PowerPoint test presentation I've made about why, I don't know, Glee was toxic or something like that. <laughs> Did you do something like that? Oh, honestly, I didn't quite do a PowerPoint. I like had, I, so I over prepared to like a stupid degree where like for months I was thinking, cause the, the Washington Post had started making TikTok videos at that point. It wasn't quite just telling the news. It was more sort of like behind the news, mm. behind, like in the newsroom, how it all works sort of stuff. I think they were doing, you know, definitely some news coverage as well, but I'd seen that and I was like, Oh, I could do that. You know? Um, and I was viewing it at like, I was watching all of this and for months I was like, oh, I could do something like this. And then like, I fully was like talking almost to the video team and like, what could we do? Blah, blah, blah. And in the end I was just like, well, I might just like 
there was like it was it was about a homing pigeon that they found that had like an american tag and they thought what's that it had the, flown what's with all, all the, the birds <laughs> so many birds you <laughs> make a good point actually you're connecting the dots um Someone, I put out an extract of my book the other week, sort of talking about like a, a, a metaphor that people could use for ADHD. I was talking about like walking through the land versus like sailing on a ship. And everyone's like, is this just pelican propaganda that you're just trying to sneak in? And I was like, I think it might be. Like subconsciously. I think maybe like my mind is always with the ocean. Um <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what uh, we're talking about. I can I can see it I in have your face. No you were just clue. like, what are we talking about? I have no idea. Um <laughs> I don't. Oh, pre- pre- um, yeah. Um, prepared mass Yes, again. yes, yes. Pigeon? Okay, a pigeon. <laughs> it was they like it was flown over. They're like, "Oh my god, it's flown all the way from America. It has an American tag." Turned out it was just like an illegal pigeon with a tag they bought from eBay. Anyway, I thought it was really funny because it was like all this drama of like everyone's obsessed with this pigeon, but then the Australian like border force comes out and they're like, this is so not relevant. Oh my god. The Australian border force comes out and there's like, "We're going to kill the pigeon." And everyone's like freaking out about killing the pigeon and then it was saved by the fact that it was a fake pigeon. Anyway, I thought it was hilarious. You needed none of those details. On my personal <laughs> account, I just kind of started making a video and then sort of worked out the theme along the way, put it up, did pretty well. The next day, Perth went into lockdown again. I made another one sort of just, yeah, basically working out the own style. It actually just did really well. Like I woke up, it had, you know, whatever, 30,000 views, which felt absolutely amazing at the time. And then I forwarded it to my boss and i was like hey all my bosses have been like hey by the way and then they're like okay send send a google meets uh chat (laughs) and you know at the start it was very much i'm like i could make it in like half an hour and just like get it up and um, honey (laughs) no 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 uh we we like to continue to carry that delusion but um yeah no it did really well people really responded to it and now it's my most of my day job i mean i do other stuff as well a lot of the time um but yeah i spend uh a lot of my work day making tiktok videos which i'm just so lucky i don't know like i just i yeah there's a lot there's a lot of news organizations in australia that wouldn't be like okay girl we hired 10 months ago yes you can have the time that we're paying for to like make this video and we're not even gonna you know judge it and you know you can have the time to develop it and work it out and see how it goes and stuff so i'm like incredibly lucky on that count but yeah so i massively over prepared and in the end just like kind of did it on spur of the moment and then sent a link to my bosses <laughs> it was just it was about a picture. <laughs> Yeah, all just about a pigeon. Yeah, after months of being like, what could I do? Planning, like almost like drafting, like full scripted things. I'm like, let me just yeah. make a video about a pigeon. Work it out as I go along. Wonder where that pigeon is now. Probably. I hope the border force didn't get to it. Let me tell you. Maybe the pelican got it. Maybe the pelicans got it. <gasps> oh no, that's what the videos of. I thought the, the ankle tag looked American. <laughs> It's all come full circle now. Yep. <laughs> I told you that the killer whales of the sky, pelicans are. Mm-hmm. Yep. Can't trust them with anything. And we respect them for that. We respect them. You know, they're being true to themselves. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, back to the book, my dear. You've written a book. Mm. And mm. I have to ask, 
Would you ever recommend someone with ADHD that's recently been diagnosed with ADHD to then write a book and do all the research, all the formulating of sentences and paragraphs while having ADHD? (laughs) That sounds like a... Are you okay? I just... I think... Everyone's saying congratulations, but I, when I was seeing, because you like documented your writing process, when I was watching that, I'm just like, is she okay? I congratulate you, but are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> Don't tell on me for yawning. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, no. So, yeah, it did, it did very much occur to me. First of all, signing up to do a book, what I realized, like, the day I signed the contract for the book was that I was like, oh, my God, I'm putting myself back through VCE. OC, I'm not sure what they have in in, in, in the Queensland. HSC, oh, end of year exam. like ATAR and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Putting through that whole ATAR thing where it's like, you are there's always something you should be doing and you can never relax because you will always feel guilty no matter what and then I signed the contract and I was like this is the next year of my life uh, and it was I was felt guilty even to this day like I'll sit down and do nothing and I'm like the the devil's coming for me um <laughs> No, it was, it was interesting. So in a way, like, yes, there was a torturous element where it's like, I'm sitting down literally just reading like academic paper after academic paper about why I specifically should not be doing this task. Just like a long <laughs> drawn out task with like no immediate reward system. Uh, that's all totally self-motivated. Um, but in the other way, really what happened while writing the book, because it changed a lot, you know, if, mm. if I looked back at my original pitch, it probably would be starkly different, which is that it really did. So the book is called The Year I Met My Brain. It is a documentation of not the first year I got diagnosed where I just sort of like fumbled around, like kind of not knowing anything and hoping for the best. But like the second year, which was the year I was writing this book, mm. where I made this really concerted effort to actually learn. It was like enough is enough you know, this, a diagnosis is not this sort of just magic bullet, like magic pill that will fix everything. You know what I mean? There is literally a pill that fixes a lot of things, but the diagnosis itself doesn't just like correct your entire life. And so I was like, no, enough of the bullshit sitting down, actually learning about myself and to write the book, I had to do that. So it was this like absolute process of like self discovery. And even to the point of like getting to the, end and then having to go back and like rework the first chapter because my views on things had changed so much and going through in real time because so in between each chapter I have little diary entries which are either sort of retellings of moments in my life or genuinely how I'm feeling in the moment and when you're talking about like I I saw you you know your post while you were writing it you seemed like you were suffering there is one diary entry that's literally like I think this book is ruining my life. I think I'm the most ADHD I've ever been. I'm like, it's very funny in Mm. retrospect. Like at the time I was weeping, crying in my bed, (laughs) typing this out. And it was like genuinely what helped me do it. I edited it back a little bit. It was a little bit dark afterwards, (laughs) but, um, uh, but you know, talking about like the way that ADHD makes you sort of reliant on, the forgiveness of others because you're constantly sort of transgressing these boundaries and going through and just how much like a burden it can, you can sometimes feel like others in people's life. Yes. Mm-hmm. So are, are you an ADHD girly? What are we, 
What are we oh, working with? I'm currently, or are we, are we not? I'm currently in the process with my doctor getting diagnosed. Oh, however, how, however, thank you. However, I have the same document that has recommendations of psychiatrists for me to see. I have that same document in my purse for the past six months. But yes, I am in the process of getting diagnosed. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 oh. almost a diagnosis. <laughs> I'm joking. Self diagnosis is not okay. You have to go to a psychiatrist. Um, you do. I hate, why, I hate why that do... you always have to clarify, but it's so true because there's so many people nowadays. They're just like, oh, having ADHD is just a trend. Everyone just wants to have it. They're just self diagnosing <gasps> themselves, and it's just like. We don't want to have it, okay? I would love to get some good drugs right now that could help me function. That would be great. But the whole process of me organizing a time in my day, in my week, to call up a doctor and knowing that that's going to take three to six months to even get to that doctor, to then go to the next doctor, that may or may not tell me I might have this thing that I then can get drugs for. It's just, you get overwhelmed and you're just like, you know what, there's other stuff to do, like doing the washing. That's probably more important right now. Absolutely (laughs) terrifying. So first of all, like the best way to get an ADHD diagnosis is to not have ADHD because it's so logistically burdensome. It's like, I don't think people understand. If you haven't been through the process, it's so, there's so much, so many hoops to go through. You know, oh, let me just find my like grade six reports because that's definitely something I've held on to mm-hmm. um and all of that sort of stuff so it's, it is really burdensome and there's also the fear of like what if i call and then it's not that and i don't know like that was terrified i was terrified that the doctor might say no you don't and because it's mm. like finally i had this like beacon of light of like maybe there's an explanation yeah. for like why i feel so terrible about myself all the time and why i feel i'm just like a worse human and then i did it and he's like oh babe <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> you, you got the dog in you um but uh yeah so it, no it's very very clear and also i did very much the same thing there was a lot of delaying um you know what? I'm not going to lie to you. No clue you what we were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Writing the book. Yes. In a way, very difficult. In another way, very, very cathartic. And I genuinely think, I don't know, I've probably like, you know, done, basically put myself through like a crash course of therapy in the process, <laughs> complemented by actual therapy, which is always good. But um, yeah, like really had to think about it and think about like deep philosophical things in terms of like, okay, well, what if at one point I can manage my symptoms to the point where I wouldn't meet the entire diagnostic criteria for ADHD? Because I think what a lot of people don't realize is like inherently ADHD requires you for it to reduce your quality of life, um, you know, to a noticeable and significant degree uh, for the diagnosis to exist. And it's like, well, what if one day I st- that stops being the case? Do I still have ADHD? Do I just suddenly not have a neurodevelopmental disorder? And thinking about it and sort of having to view it being like, okay, well, beyond the impairments that it causes me, how does this affect who I am? And, you know, changing my view from kind of like I'm a person and then there's this like little extra package of ADHD, this little like little gremlin like hanging onto the side and oh my God, I could have achieved so much more if I didn't have it to Mm -hmm. kind of coming to terms with like, no, it's not, it's not like a little gremlin that I could just like flick off if like science got good enough. Like there's no me without the ADHD. Like I would, 
sure that would just be a different person that is not me and like you know in the way that my gender affects every thought i have the way that my race affects every thought i have the way that my socioeconomic class Mm -hmm. reflects you know impacts every floor i have and changes the way i walk through the world adhd does as well it's just another element kind of in that and yeah sort of coming to terms with it first as a disorder um and then next as an identity and then sort of being able to meld the two and and learn to recognize that like it is very disabling a lot of the time Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and even just being able to say like i have a disability is still like difficult um but also acknowledging like the the neutral things you know like the good things yes 100 percent. i think there are good things that it brings but also just like even just the neutral stuff just like the way it impacts your life from day to day um and i'm really glad that i was forced through that ringer like through doing the book i think i'm like i feel like i would have gotten to that point maybe in 10 years time um but i was just sitting there every day doing nothing but think about my own brain um which is like a weird metaphysical thing in and of itself and i'm really kind of grateful for what me and i hope that that reflects in the book in terms of taking the conversations deep but there's also like useful tips and stuff i'm making it sound like it's all this (laughs) unbelievable like metaphysical like psychological dissertation there's also like how to arrange your fridge um (laughs) (laughs) i love that well i I've only read an excerpt of it, but I cannot wait to read the full thing. And you know what? I, I think it, I think it sent to you. I don't know what I'm, I'm. That's my next email. You'll get one in the mail very soon. Don't worry. Oh no! I've already ordered it. That's all good, hun. I'm getting. I'm yeah. getting it sent. Oh my! I'll be getting a signed copy. I was then. about to be like, I, I don't think they will arrive otherwise. First of all, thank you so much for ordering. <laughs> Second of all, of course, I'll get a, I'll get a copy sent to you. <laughs> I well, have power now. I'm backed by a real you publisher. Power now. <laughs> the power to send <laughs> one specific copy of one book out to someone. That's power, baby. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's a career woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what was I gonna fuck me? We've done this like four times. So, like, what am I talking about? What yeah, what say? what else would you expect from this? You know, <laughs> from getting 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 this this type of uh, people in a room together, you know? Yeah, the most unhinged conversation. <laughs> yep. Um, yes, now I know what I was going to say. Yeah. I really do appreciate, like, the time you've taken, though, to create this book. Because from what I have read, it's not like... It's not like a... How do I say this in a way that doesn't sound insulting? It's not, like, formal, scientific. You're not talking down to the reader. You're just talking as if you're a friend and you're just like, hey, I've learned this stuff. Care to find out some more information and you might actually be able to relate to it. And I think that's just so cool. That's just what we need is particularly women because so many women have been ignored for years when they've debated, do I have ADHD? Why do I think this way? Why does my brain my brain act this way? And I'm just, oh, it's going to be like the best booster for me to finally book that appointment, can I just say, best booster for that. Thank you so much, because that's exactly that's all like exactly what I was going for. So thank you that that reflected. Like my number one proudest thing, like whenever I show someone a book, I'm like, look at the reference section, and I just turn page after page <laughs> after page of nice Chicago formatted uh, citations. Um, so there's like a lot oh of God, yeah. there's a huge amount of research and a 
a truly stupid amount of citations in the book. However, yeah, like it was a process of me learning the stuff too and then getting it fact-checked mm. by professionals. Um, but me learning the stuff too and talking about it in a way that made sense for my own brain because I think when it comes to sort of like ADHD content, you have a lot of people doing, you know, I have ADHD and this is the sort of vague facts I've heard and maybe it's sort of heard from someone else or you have like I am a psychologist with you know 20 PhDs and here's my extraordinarily and you know let's not even say the word neurodivergent because it's a dirty word and we only need to think about how to cure ADHD and you know there's there's two very different worlds and I wanted to kind of bring them together a little bit to be like we're not gonna there's you know, I'm not going to humor things that are just nonsense, but also mm. I'm not going to sort of totally dismiss things that can't utterly be proved in, you know, a meta-analysis study. So, you know, there is discussions about, you know, identity and community and neurodivergence. And there's also like, is there any evidence that rejection sensitivity dysphoria is actually a some a, a experience unique to ADHD? No, but it might be a useful term within the community to use. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of, I, I've, I, so I've tried to kind of really ride that line between debunking a lot of the things that the community is talking about that may be a bit more vibes-based than science-based, but also not getting so unbelievably sort of tied to the extremely medicalistic ADHD is only ever going to be this negative omen in your life kind of form. And I think, yeah, that's really what I was wanting in that first year of being diagnosed and never really found. Um, So that's what I've tried to do. And then, you know, it did just come up with some like interesting notes where it's like editing notes and it's like, oh, I think we just like need a citation just right after the line um, sucked in motherfucker. Uh, I think we should just go there and get just bizarre notes like that from my editor where it's, yeah, just sort of being like me being like my boyfriend's so fucking hot. And also this study from, um, so it's a, it's a weird ride, honestly. I love it. I love it. And see, that's like the most natural ADHD thing there is. Uh huh. It's meant to go all the, all the, all the flows, whatever. What is it? Peak. Well, all the peaks and flows, it's meant to be a bit of a mixture of everything. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, ADHD is, like, an unbelievably serious and life-altering and devastating condition. Yes, Mm. 100%. It's also fucking funny a lot of the time. Like, I glued my foot (laughs) into a shoe, you know, and that's, like, (laughs) as much part of my ADHD experience as, like, the car crashes I've been in. You know, like, there's really... Two we need different to go back, sides. honey. Glued your foot in a shoe. We can't. We can't skip over that. Glued your foot into a shoe. Yeah. What type of shoe? Um, a gold booty, high heel booty. Um, the inside lining was coming off. I was running late. I needed to catch a train. I just squirted some super glue in there. Shoved my foot in. Um, <laughs> on the way of the train, running, just feeling like a tug on my skin every time. Um. Very much, you know what? Actually, it's in the book. If people want to know how that story <laughs> you ends, know what? yeah, mm-hmm. the, the little pu- the publisher demon on my the shoulder publisher. intervened halfway yes. through. <laughs> yeah, that's the 
else is even having your shot is a little publisher being like, mm, give them a hint, you know, give them sus- suspense. Um, but, like, that is the thing, right? Like, with ADHD, like, it's yeah. unbelievably serious and it's devastating and it's debilitating and it's also just inherently a cackle a lot of the time. And being able to meld those two was really important to me because, you know, I think it's it's easy to get, like, too lost in, like, Oh, it's it's a superpower, and you know it's not, and that dismisses the disability of it. I totally disagree with the idea of the superpower, like in those words. Yeah. I also do think that an equal amount of damage can become can come from only ever thinking about the doom and gloom and the absolute mm-hmm. tragedy of it. Um, there's just a lot of funny things about having a brain that like just makes you kind of the goofy friend in a sitcom. Like you're allowed to live your life as the goofy friend and have fun with it, you know. So on a lighter note, to finish off this podcast before it gets more unhinged, before there's more birds, more gri- more goblins, more everything, with my guests every single week, we do like a little round of pop culture would you rather oh my God, I'm to so finish excited. things on the light fun note. All right, so get comfortable. We got five would you rathers okay. based on my stalking. I can okay. say, oh, based on my research, but no, let's be realistic at stalking. That's fine. That's, that's so fine. <laughs> I, love- I appreciate it. All right. Okay. All right, honey. Okay. Would you rather spend the next 18 months researching and writing your book all <laughs> over again from scratch? Oh, no. <laughs> or... Be part of Scott Morrison's PR team back when he was Prime Minister. Oh. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> as someone who's, like, had to interact with his PR team, they seemed like they were long-suffering. Um, like, probably do the book again um, because it was such a delight. But also, God, that is a lot of work. I, here's the thing. I would not want to be Scott Morrison's PR team, but I would like to have seen the PR team's reaction on the day that it was revealed that he had um, 500 jobs in Parliament. Um, (laughs) Can I just say, like, in terms of Twitter going down the drain, that day, peak Twitter, it was, like, back, baby. Like, the... Wasn't it beautiful? All the journalists who have, like, just very much (laughs) been clearly holding things in throughout the election are finally, like, he's not the Prime Minister, and this is fucking ridiculous, so, like, let's go. Um, So I would like to... I would like to have seen Uh, that room, and honestly, almost mm -hmm. worth it to have been part of the PR team. Also, I'm sure they're paid better than me. Um, all PR. That's that's the that's the sort of golden. That's like the once you know, like old Scotty's gone off to the farm, you know, kind of thing. And yeah. they've gone to PR. <laughs> They're in a better place. Um, no, I'm gonna have to say write the book again. Um, I'm gonna have to say write mm-hmm. the book again. I don't think you know, like even the was it him where they photoshopped the runners onto him way back in the day. There was an Instagram photo where they just photoshopped sneakers onto him, and he's like, that was someone in my team. Um, no, I, I do not. I need to look this, this up oh. in case I'm a journalist. I cannot be spreading misinformation if oh, this is not true. Oh, oh I hope it's One true. One second. I Photoshop ho- I hope shoes. It, I hope it's as true as him shitting yes. the Maccas. <laughs> okay, well, that is not proven. The Endergine Maccas 1997 at the end of the uh, NFL Grand Final when the Cronulla Sharks won that he may have shut his pants in. They're absolutely not true and not proven. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, Scott Morrison shoe Photoshop fail gives Australian Prime Minister two left feet. Yeah, uh, he someone in his Stop allegedly it. someone in his PR team 
he must have just like been wearing bad shoes. They just photoshopped shoes on fr- in on him like in a family portrait. But then he very much did come out and was like, "It was someone in my team," and I was like. I wouldn't want to have to like take the shoe fall, you know? So I'd write the book again, definitely. And also I loved I... the book. It was a delight. Ah! What <laughs> the fuck? Why? What? Oh my, no. Yeah. Why? It's a, it's a hit. How? It's a forgotten gem. The Scott Morrison shoe Photoshop moment. And they're too white. They're too white. You're on the ground, sir. No shoes are that white when you're on the ground. And it makes his feet, like, strangely small as well. Yeah, that is the weirdest thing. Thank you for bringing that to me. You're so welcome. important information. A little gift. Thank you. That is... I didn't know there was more things about Scott Morrison I could be weirded out by, but apparently there is. Apparently there is. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, yes, I am not surprised that you chose the book because at least with your book, you actually brought good to the world. I don't know what good to the world can be done when being on Scott Morrison's team. Yeah. I reported on the 2022 election. So, uh, mm. stay quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You say nothing. You have uh, the the bosses at Guardian. You say nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing, I would nothing. never even just, think of it. Just, just smile and wave, boys. <laughs> just smile and wave. <laughs> I quote that way too much. <laughs> oh, oh, talking about pop culture that defined me, the Madagascar movie. Oof. Bitch. Oh, honey. That, that was my that. childhood in a nutshell. Absolutely. Yes. Mm. All right. Pop culture, would you rather number two? Please, please, please. Meet, meet the Matildas or... <sighs> I know, I know, it's it's a big one, yeah. Or have your song, The Lights, featured in the upcoming Ratatouille, the musical. (gasps) No, no, I thought I privated those. I'm going to have to go back through. (laughs) No. (laughs) The first TikTok I ever made was my, like, slightly wine drunk contribution to the Ratatouille musical. I genuinely think it would be a good interlude, actually. You know what? I'll leave it up. Go back, scroll all the way back on my TikTok page, and you can see me badly singing this, like, little interlude that I made up of when, like, Ratatouille sees... I, first of all, fuck you. Second of all... <laughs> Bitch, I do my research. I do my research, honey. Yep. <laughs> I stand by it. Um, but it would be Meet the Matildas because the Ratatouille musical ended up being a bit like, oh, okay. You know, did when they, they're like, did they... they're like, we're gonna do, we're gonna stage it, and then it was just sort of different people on Zoom doing it, and oh. it was a bit like, we just oh. don't sell it. Like we would have loved if you had just said Wayne Brady is performing one of the writer two I would have been so delighted. Mm. You built it up as if oh, it was gonna be a whole stage show and then you kinda of let people down. Yeah. That's disappointing. Yeah. Like, oh my god. They did the Lion King with all the animals and stuff. Ratatouille could be like that. Like, I mean, it or, was like, Cats. Cats, the musical on stage, apparently is good. Not the movie, the actual stage production. Yeah, very true. Nice opportunity. I mean, mm. look, it was in the middle of lockdowns. In fairness, with no money and really skirting yeah. the world of yeah. um. Uh, tick, uh, sort of Disney Channel not suing them. Um, mm. But honestly, like, 
No, I'd meet the Matildas. I'd meet the Matildas because I don't actually want anyone to go look at the, my Ratatouille song. <laughs> it was my first ever TikTok. I didn't post anything for like a year after that. I was I like, this is now. great. This is good. I really thought I privated uh, those. I really did. <laughs> I told you I'm good at stalking. I'm good at researching. Whatever, however you want to put it. However you want to put it. <laughs> All right. Number three. Okay, number three. Never watch or read The Hunger Games ever again. I know. Or never play Zelda again. Ooh. Okay. I'm a bitch, I know. It would be never play Zelda because The Hunger Games is, I think, so foundational to who I am as a person. Like, it is, you know, they say, like, oh, what's your Roman Empire? It is my Roman Empire. That will be a meme that will be well and truly dead by the time this episode comes out. The Hunger (laughs) Games is my Roman Empire. Um, I think about it so much. It genuinely shaped my worldview. It made me, as, like, a teenager, try and write a full dystopian novel that, you know, hopefully will never see the light of day. Um, I believe it stands up in time. It only gets better with age. Zelda, do I love it? Yes, 100%. Is it it the only thing that has really kept my sanity sort of hanging on? Yes. Uh, But I think Hunger Games, just like from a foundational point of like who I am as a person, has to win out in that case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now... I know everyone will ask, were you a Peter fan? Were you a, um, oh, fuck, what's the other one? Gail. What's the other person, sir? Gail. I just think of him just like, oh, the, the other Hemsworth brother. I know people will ask that. Were you one of them? Oh. Or were you Finnick? Finnick. Oh, i tell you what I am now. Um, <laughs> Finnick, to a certain degree, Peter and Gail were both, I, well, it was definitely Team Peter. Um, which is interesting because I was team Jacob when it came to Twilight. Something which we've, <gasps> I fought to the death Absolutely. on and then like read Eclipse and read like how awful he was. And then I was like, I'm just going to forget that I saw that and keep defending him. Um, <laughs> like awful. Like in retrospect, like Edward was like, just like a really grown up and mature guy. Like, well, unfortunately too grown up was a hundred years old. Um, Peter and Gail never adored Gail liked peter have always been a bit of like a i love her like a kind man which has been just a great trait to have in life um to be born with that instinct not born just have a good father i think is really what that instinct comes from but um so was team peter at the time if i'm going to be like utterly truthful just had like a sort of pre-sexual awakening crush on Katniss. So like it never even really got there. You know what I mean? Like it -hmm. it, it honestly like never fully was important to me because I was, I had a crush on Katniss. (laughs) Yep. You know what? I completely understand. Completely understand. Mm -hmm. I had the biggest crush on, um, Oh my God. What was it? It, it was, um, She's the one that strips naked in the lift. <gasps> Joanna Mason. Joanna. Joanna. I loved her. Love, loved loved her. her and Finnick. Like, oh. Catching Fire is, like, in my top ten best movies. Or, and, like, probably, like, one of the best <gasps> adaptions from book to movies. Like, they... Genuinely like the so fir- good. The first Hunger Games, I did not like the movie that much. They just made it a bit too depresso. But Catching Fire, oh, my God. 
work of art. I loved the I loved the first Hunger Games movie in the way that it like wasn't like a full adaptation, but like if you're going to do a full mm. like two, I mean like two Hollywood adaptation. I remember, like, coming out of Catching Fire, all my friends had gone seen it early. I was a dork, and I was like, I need to study for my exams. My year nine exams, who gave a shit, um, <laughs> meant nothing. I went, I saw it by myself in the theatre, like, first time I've ever, like, went to a theatre. First and potentially only time I ever went to a theatre by myself was a religious experience, came out and been like, I literally texted my friends, like, this is cinema. <laughs> um, uh, and this, again, not my idea. But I did see a video of someone talking about, like, wouldn't Catching Fire have been way better if instead of Peter and Katniss going back into the arena, they sent in Gail and Prim, and then Katniss had to be their mentor. Yeah! Because if we did get that... It would be a whole new perspective. That sinner wouldn't have just gone. That was... Yeah, sorry. I, I, I will go on forever, and this is why. I'll go on forever about The Hunger Games. I'll do it. That will, yeah, I, 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 can, I can see that happening. I, but then at the same time, just like it's just perfect. It's just, I just, I just wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't alter it. It was just perfect. It was just absolutely perfect. I love absolutely. that. Absolutely. And and did you? Yeah. Uh, when I first read read Mockingjay, I was like, what? As if. Oh. And then Mockingjay was so rubbish. No, and no, the no, movie no, was no, 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 no. I said the same thing. I thought it was bullshit. I didn't understand why Katniss, spoiler alert, voted for the Hunger Games to like re go with the read it again with like a fully developed prefrontal cortex. I swear to God, mm-hmm. I wept, cried, so good. Turns out, just wasn't okay. for my little tiny teenage brain. Like once I, oh, oh. Is fucking depressing though. I'm not gonna lie. But even that, like, even the epilogue, I was like, it's kind of filled with like hope and joy, and like rebirth. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I it's worth revisiting. Oh. This is my number one tip. Mm-hmm. Let your prefrontal cortex develop. Reread Mockingjay. <laughs> oh, but then I got to read the first half of Mockingjay, and that's just shit. You audio book it, then... baby. Audio book it. It's Ooh. read by Tatiana Maslani, the one from Orphan Black, the actress from Orphan, Bla- Orphan <gasps> Black. She recently recorded a whole her. thing. And while you're on Audible, just like pre-order the year I met my brain. No, not pre-order. Just order, order the year <laughs> I met my brain. It's me reading it out, uh, yes. and I suffered through having to record it. So please, <laughs> I was, it was, it, there was a lot of takes. <laughs> oh. All right, I know we said five would you rather's, but I think we're about to hit overtime because we have really, <laughs> we have gone on. I've I've many, led us down some paths. I'm so sorry. Many actually no. Okay, the audience will be disappointed. We'll do just do a quick. Okay, we'll do a quick fast. fire of the last two. We'll do quick fire, super fast last ones. Okay, number four, Real Housewives or The Bachelor. Uh, Bachelor pre um, Bachelor in the early years, Real Housewives nowadays. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Choice and then but well. like yeah. the the later years but only brooks season um and then the rest can go to hell yeah 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 okay i really a really quick side note quick quick side note are you watching new york real housewives from new york? okay so i'm i'm like back in time i'm like i'm i'm only in like season six season five the one where she like gets the full call about like the husband and she like voice dictates like how could you do this to me question mark send <laughs> screamed screamed so i'm am watching new york i'm back in time i don't know what's going on currently oh it's a new cast <gasps> it's just really fresh some people say it's boring but i love it because it's just feels very 
it just feels fresh and new and i just love everyone i love everyone and there's someone there that is that your bisexual soul oh. is gonna love and you're gonna fixate and you're gonna become obsessed with and she's just the ultimate oh i just love her okay i'm, love, I love her. I'm, I'm not even, i'm not even gonna say who i'm not even gonna say who okay Jenna Lyons. Oh my gosh. Have you watched Jenna being Lyons. you watch Salt Lake? Have you been keeping up with the No, stop. We're fast. Salt We're Lake. doing it fast. Stop. <laughs> watch Salt Lake. It's really good. I'm also like just obsessed with Mormons generally. So like watch it. I, oh, okay. Salt Lake. Salt Lake is next. I'm currently going through older episodes of Beverly Hills right now. We so love that. yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Cannot wait for the new season. Okay. Alright, I saw we're going to a tangent. Okay. Number five. Pop culture, would you rather number five? I know you're a board games fan, so what would you rather? Monopoly deal or you know? <laughs> um, the only two also, the only two card games I have, and I have 18 copies of each of them. Um, Monopoly deal <laughs> is the answer. Uh, Uno, sure. I have a BTS Uno. We love it. We treasure it. Monopoly deal, that is the best game. And I first got introduced to it because I was on a cruise because I was a first year uni student it was the cheapest holiday my sister and i could afford we were on a cruise we went i it was like the deals night that was like sponsored by hasbro or whatever the game company is i went up on stage like dressed as like a some scrabble piece or something and then they gave me monopoly deal like as the gift (laughs) played it the whole way through the cruise it is the best card game i've ever seen in my life so 100 percent monopoly deal i will go i will die on the hill of monopoly deal it warmed my soul so much when I was doing my research and I saw that video. I'm just like, someone else knows Monopoly Deal? That is my childhood. But the problem was I would try and play that game with my friends and they'd just be like, no, why do we have to, I don't want to have to learn it. Why can't we just play normal Monopoly? It's just like, it's better than normal Monopoly. It's nothing it's, like Monopoly. It's so, it's so much, much better. better. One oh, of my genuine fondest, one of my fondest memories of my life was when I was in, I think, third year uni or something like that my the next holiday i went on actually my parents and i and my sister we went to bali and i remember sitting on the beach in uh, one of the islands sort of off the coast of bali nusa labongan and we were sitting there drinking just like rum and cokes from like a little rum bottle that we had like secreted away it was like the first time i was like drinking with my parents fully just playing monopoly deal on the beach as like the sun set and i'm like oh you know, oh. in the stressful moments, I still oh. revisit it. And it's like Monopoly doing <laughs> just being like thrash um, in pay rent cards. But it's still like one of the most gorgeous memories of my life. I love it. I love it. That's like your white lotus moment. I love it. I love it. Yes. Exactly. Well, yes, we'll, we, we will have to play Monopoly deal if I'm ever in your area or if you're in my area because that game is peak. I love it. That is love the it, best it. offer I've ever heard. That's brilliant. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> well, we've hit the end of the podcast, talking about pop culture moments, talking about would you rather's and going on many, many tangents. <laughs> My dear, you are here to promote your book. Where can people find it? What is it called? What is it? <laughs> Where? Promoted. Let that publisher goblin shine. The year I met my brain, a essential Ooh. guide to adults who just found out they have ADHD, something like that. I don't even fully remember the subtitle. Uh, you can buy it at bookstores. You can buy it on Booktopia. You can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it on, you can get the audiobook on Audible or wherever else you get audiobooks. It's me reading it. I'll say it again. Um, you can, I don't know, just sort of like find it in an op shop probably in like two months time if people realize they didn't have ADHD actually and then they give the book away and then pick it up there whatever you do also um I'm on Instagram 
and TikTok as Matty Unofficial. It's Matty with two T's and an I-E. And um, also, I write for The Guardian and I'm a reporter. That's me. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> that was beautiful. So professional. Thank lovely. you so much. I've practiced it. I've got it down to a talent, a science, mm. if you will. <laughs> yep. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on to the podcast. I greatly appreciate it. I now have a greater appreciation for pelicans and di- and fuck. I almost said dinosaurs <gasps> for dragons. For, for dragons. dragons. I, su- I swear. So I swear. I believe in evolution. I swear. I believe in evolution. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in the evolution of dragon. No, not anymore. <laughs> Not, any, not anymore. No, no, no. I am a journalist. I'm a professional journalist. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. I just but think it's suspicious they... that like all the different mythology. No. <laughs> oh my god. So, so people are gonna like expect we're gonna talk about like oh the pyramids <laughs> they just dropped to earth. The the um oh no. what's the thing that's in the water? What's the thing that's um oh fluoride. Look, look. Making the frogs gay. <laughs> Or Atlantis, one of the two. Loch Ness monster. I was talking. <laughs> the gayest frog I've ever met in my the life. This gay frog. Actually, no. I'm just gonna Google. It. I'm not gonna ask because you have to go. I'm not even gonna ask. But I'm just gonna Google gay frogs and see what comes up. Please see do. What Please do. About. You will have a delightful afternoon. Oh. Um. Okay. Thank you, beautiful humans, for listening to this episode of Feeling Nostalgic. As you can probably tell, I had such a blast talking with Matilda. She was so kind, so funny. And yes, I'm going to encourage you all yet again, please buy her book. If you did have fun today, if you learned something, if you enjoyed the show, if our chat was also a great distraction from the horrible world that we are all living in right now, As always, there are three ways you can support the show. One, leave a rating and a review. Two, hit that big follow button. I know you want to push that button. We love pushing big, 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 big buttons. And three, tell others about the show. Tell your dad. Tell your ex-BFF. Tell your acquaintances on Instagram that you no longer contact, but they're just floating around in your feed anyway. Tell your cat even. Tell them all about it. For another dose of this throwback chat, do be sure to tune into next week on Feeling Nostalgic, where my guest and I talk all things Gogglebox and dogs. It may just be like the most easiest hint (laughs) that there may ever be for the next guest on Feeling Nostalgic. But until then, I'm your host, Demi Lynch. Say hi to your dog for me.